To my future kids, if you're a boy, Copernicus, if you're a girl, Trinity. There's a part of your daddy's life that, if you're hearing this, you're of the age where you should know about it. It refers to a time when I was in high school. There was a man at this high school who was not just a mentor to me, but a man of honor, virtue, inventiveness. He always sought the light of knowledge. He always held scholarly habits. He always engaged in worthy service, but most importantly, he always led boldly in all ways. This man's name was James Onktenko, and while this man was principal at this high school, I met another man who also existed, named Dr. George Musman. This story is about how George and I crossed paths. It was his story before he gave it to me, and now I'm giving it to you, my little giblets. I hope you enjoy. Love, Daddy. Entering, I do know, and so shall you, the prologue. Dear Josephius, I have dreaded the day which is upon me, the day when the lies begin to unravel to reveal the dark truth of my time in the hollowed halls of Fenton. I wish I could reveal all with a wave of my hands, but I fear that the truth is far too complex to bring to light easily. I will endeavor to enlighten. I was born on a Friday after midnight, which, as I'm sure that you are aware, has both blessed and cursed me with the ability to see ghosts. It is a blessing because many of those who have passed are good souls, but it can be a curse because even the best among them may sometimes bring knowledge or foresight that I wish I could do without. It was a cold day early in the 11th month, truly the darkest month of the year. The only bright spot, if you can consider it such, is a holiday that was created to be late in the month when people could no longer bear the drear. How horrible must things in that month be? This holiday was built upon a celebration of the massacre of indigenous peoples, but that story is another's to tell. I had recently started working at Proviso East High School in Maywood, Illinois. On this Thursday afternoon, the fifth of the month it was, I was driving home on 290. First Avenue to Beasterfield marked the normal stretch of my commute. Of course, this was when 390 was but a glimmer in the eye of an Illinois tollway executive. When I was somehow inwardly encouraged, no, compelled, to exit at the Kingery Highway, also known as Route 83, or sometimes just the diminutive, Bussy. I knew not where I was heading. The cool autumn evening was quickly turning into a cool autumn night. The leaves had fallen and the trees reached into the sky like the screams of a thousand turtles trying to find their way to the sea, but who instead found themselves in the parking lot of an international house of pancakes drawn to the parking lot lights in the way that baby turtles are drawn to the moon over the open waters. I was relatively new to the area, and most of my time had been spent in the city, as we referred to Chicago back in those halcyon days, or in the northwest suburbs of Cook County. DuPage was a mysterious place to be passed through briefly, never to be stopped lest the creatures of the forest and plains be angered. Therefore, these streets of a town with the name of two relatively banal words that combined to form an even more banal combination were not only unfamiliar, but clearly filled with the dangers of an earlier magic than my own. 
After twists and turns and turns and twists, I found myself suddenly not alone in the car. Here beside me was my former partner, Navar. Navar and I had spent many days and nights toiling with a Xerox 5440 working for the oppressive master known only as Kinko. I had not seen Navar in years. This did not surprise me unduly, as he had already passed into the spirit world. In fact, I was more surprised at seeing him than I would have been at not seeing him, all things considered. Navar told me that before the evening was done, I would be visited by three ghosts, and those ghosts would tell me of things that had been, things that were, and things that were yet to occur. He warned me that if I did not heed those ghosts, the subsequent day would become one that all humanity would rue until the end of its very brief existence, but that if I did heed their warnings, November 6, 1998 would not go down as the beginning of the end, but of a nondescript, unnoticed day in a nondescript, largely unnoticed month, except of course, for the aforementioned holiday with the Dark Origins. Navar then told me to get out of the car. When I did, I saw approaching me a dark figure. If this street in Wooddale had streetlights, I imagine they would have exploded as he walked past each of them. As he drew near, I saw his craggy features. They were not recognizable to me at the time, but I cannot unforget those hooded eyes and sharp cheekbones. He spoke four words that somehow filled me with a dread of all things alliterative. I am Frederick Fenton. To be continued in I Do Know, and So Shall You, Part 1. Dear Jehoshaphat, When we last visited this tale that twists time and worlds, both past and future, near and far, of what has happened and what has yet to happen, of places close and distant, of those things that are already written and those things that are yet to be writ, of locations that we can quickly and easily reach, and those that will take us a great deal of time, energy, and perhaps money to visit, of stuff before now and stuff after now, of areas of the world we can see and areas of the universe that we cannot see, even if they are also on the world, but in a part of it that is not accessible to our eyeballs currently, regardless of the number of colors, we may or may not be able to see those parts. I had been returned by the ghost of Frederick Fenton after he revealed the dark origins of his curse to the present day of that time in the past of which we are speaking. November 5th, 1998. It was approaching night noon and Frederick Fenton... How I shudder as I type his name because I cannot help but think about the horrible truths he exposed as related in I Do Know and So Shall You Part 1. Unceremoniously and literally dropped me onto the darkened stage of the Lewis Huffman Auditorium at the new site of Fenton High School. Why the apparition chose to apparate eight feet above the stage is known only to him, but it fits with the cruelty I had seen in my visit to the past. Of course, at that time it was just the auditorium, as it would not yet have been named for the dynamic duo of band directors Lewis and Huffman. And knowing the dark ceremonies Frederick revealed the band of the then Bensonville High School participated in, it is impossible to understand what could possibly have been in the minds of the people who chose that particular renaming. From the top of a movable staircase billowed what looked like a tablecloth. Odd, I thought, for a tablecloth to be placed upon a staircase. 
did the person who placed it there not realize that a tablecloth is more suited to a table than a staircase? Did they not recognize that whilst tables cry out to be covered by cloth, staircases cry out to be covered by dust and the dirty remains off the bottom of a person's shoes? But then, the folly of my thoughts was revealed to me, because it was not a tablecloth, nay, its billow turned into a shimmer and a shake, and it revealed itself to be another otherworldly being, and it descended in a beautiful personage unlike any that I had seen before. I cannot describe in words, it will have to suffice to say, that this being encapsulated all that was good in the world. And let us move on with the story. The spirit said to me, in this world, there is a child that is good and kind, a child that will bring joy to all those who know the child, who don't need to worry about this child, but this child will have a brother that will be born after night noon, and everything that the first child will be, the next has the possibility of being the opposite. This brother can bring ignorance and hatred and spoil all that is wonderful in the world. As the second ghost spoke, we somehow moved without moving, and the second ghost pointed and said, Here, the child shall be born. It shall be years before you see him, but you will know him by his height, for he will grow like the poisonous and vile weed he is, by his evil cackle and cruelty to those around him, and by his lack of respect for all that is decent. We considered marking him with a lightning bolt scar on his forehead, but that feels a bit derivative of a relatively unknown book that was published last year in England. You'll know what I'm talking about later. I implored the ghost to tell me what I should do to try to counter the demon that was coming tomorrow. But the ghost laughed and said, Night noon has passed. It is no longer tomorrow. It is today. It is not my role to tell you what must be done. He who is coming after me is mightier than I. It is he who must advise you. With that, I found myself back on that lonely wood daily and street, shivering, as if it were but 5 degrees Fahrenheit above zero, although the actual temperature was about 5 degrees Fahrenheit above freezing, so about 37 degrees. With an appropriate coat or even a heavy jacket, it shouldn't have been too bad, but it felt really, really cold. I wish it could go on now, but my students clamor for my attention. To be continued and concluded in I Do Know, and So Shall You, Part 3. Dear Joe Mama, I must admit this process of visiting memories makes me feel as if I'm in a vise. It is draining me both emotionally and viscerally. Reliving the visitations of these visitors who visited me is affecting my visage visibly. I do not know if I can relive the reliving. Please do not ask me to send to you again any early recountings, as a second recounting would be at least one too many recounts. When last we spoke, I had been visited by three of the four ghosts that I would get to know on that transitional night from November 5th when the world still somehow felt more joyous than it would the next day, as if something had been added that consumed joy, to November 6th. The night felt unnaturally cold, and from the crisp autumn air a mist formed and gelled. I felt this was an odd thing for a mist to do, as a mist does not contain fatty molecules distilled from an animal's hoof, but gel it did. 
The gel beckoned to me, and encircling me with its gelatinous form, it unencircled. And once again, I found myself in the Lewis Huffman Auditorium. The people crowded in the audience apparently could not see or feel me, as many of them passed through the same space the gel and I occupied without taking note. I was able to see a program, and the date showed me that we were no longer in November of 1998, but rather in March of 2017. The gel pointed to the stage and spoke without speaking. That is the shape of the atrocity that no one can love. On the stage was a student with a mandolin singing an Ed Sheeran song. Now, at the time, I didn't know it was an Ed Sheeran song. After all, I was living in 1998, so, well, yeah, you get it. Time travel. The audience was transfixed, but not in a good way. I could sense the palpable feelings of hatred and disgust for the being on stage, and as the song continued, seeming without any possible path of retribution, I could hear the audience begin to murmur. This student had clearly made a mistake in performing in front of a group that would never be able to appreciate anything he brought to the stage. Not to mention, he was just bad. Where the audience procured the spoiled vegetables and fruits that began to descend upon the awful creature on the stage, I didn't understand. Clearly they were prepared to let their feelings be known. I was surprised that somehow I felt sympathy for this being. From what I overheard, the treatment it had unleashed on its classmates was not deserving of my sympathy. I implored of the gel, tell me, is there not that I can do to prevent this from happening? What is this abomination? The gel spoke without speaking and said, There is only one way that the child born on November 6th, 1998 does not become this hideousness. You must gain employment at Fenton High School. No! I interjected. I know too much of its dark and sordid history from the ghost of Frederick Fenton. Plus, it's in DuPage County and Cook County School Districts generally pay better than DuPage County Districts. Don't interrupt me, the gel said without saying. After you have gained that employment, you must seek to overthrow the advisor to the society of students who have been honored, and then replace that person in the role of advisor to those students. You will grow that group so that eventually, you will be required to bring on a second advisor because the group has gotten so large and has become an integral part of the school's culture under your leadership. As long as that group always uses a modified version of the pledge, the child will not grow into the monstrosity before you, but can become a somewhat well-adjusted human who can make positive contributions to society and will play a guitar, not a mandolin. There are two other things you must know. First, although generally Cook County districts do pay better than DuPage districts, Fenton is a district that values and compensates its teachers fairly for the work they do. So although you won't make as much money as some other districts, you don't have to worry about a major pay cut when you go there, and you will be able to pay for your kids to be on rec soccer teams. Maybe not club, but rec will be okay. Second, although humanity in general will benefit from the effect of the modified version of the pledge on the child, someone named Julia may not be so lucky. She's gonna have to suffer a bit. With that, the gel ungelled, and I found myself behind the wheel on that strange street in the dale that contained wood. 
I knew what I had to do to protect the world. Sorry, Julia. And although I often questioned whether what I was doing was right, I knew that while a modified version of the pledge was an aberration, it was less of an aberration than that child would become. And that, dear Jobadiah, is why the pledge of the National Honor Society Bensonville Wooddale Chapter is what it is. I did it for you, lad. I did it for you. With a surprising lack of regret for my choices in life. Yours, Musman. <laughs>